Welcome everybody to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name is Phil. And I'm Stacy. This is going to be our second episode. Today we're going to be doing a review and breakdown of the 1979 classic Halloween. Uh, we're doing this in preparation of the new movie Halloween Ends that's going to be coming out next month. Uh, I know I'm very much looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to that one at all? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the first one in that trilogy came out really good. The second one, we're obviously not reviewing it, but it definitely suffered from being the middle one, but it gets you amped up for the third one. So. Super amped. So I'm very happy for that. Now, as I was preparing for this one, I didn't really discuss this with Stacy yet, but uh, I was looking at IMDb and saw that it had a 7.7 IMDb rating, um, and it was nowhere in the top 250. Uh, movies. The movie that we watched uh, the other day, Alien, actually was. Um, that came in, I didn't write it down, but it was definitely in the top 250. I believe that it was uh, in the 130s someplace. It ended up being an 8.5. But this made me actually start to think, what makes people classify a good horror movie as? Um, so I started looking it up, and they have a separate section in there of just horror movies. Um, So originally I was looking at the uh, top 250 and what was in there, what wasn't in there. And I started noticing a big gap difference. Uh, Stacy, you know me, I'm very much into numbers. So this uh, definitely appealed to me. Uh, When I was looking into it, the top 250 overall, what do you think has more movies after 1990 or movies before 1990? I think before. Okay, that's what I would have thought as well, but it, over, like, complete landslide victory of movies after 1990. Really? Yeah, so in the top, I started out in the top 25, and we had 17 movies out of the top 25 coming in after 1990, and eight uh, movies out of the top 25 before 1990, so eight, uh, 1989 or below. That's uh, 68% for after. Then I broke it down a little bit further, thinking, oh, maybe it's just a fluke. The top 50 movies, and from there, we're still at 64%. uh, We're after 1990. Top 100 movies, 58% were after. So the gap started narrowing a little bit, but it was still definitely a landslide victory for after 1990s. So they have a tab in there for horror, horror movies. So when I clicked on that, what do you think that it was? More before 1990 or after? I'm going to go with after. Once again, wrong. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's not unusual. So this one is even a bigger gap. So before 1990, 76% of the top 25 were before 1990. That's 19 out of 25, only leaving six. So I looked into those six, and there were some there that shouldn't even be there. Um, Like what? and, And I say that not because they're good movies, but because they're... Uh, like one-offs, they're, they don't have a big audience, it, they don't have many reviews. So I did a complete breakdown of the movies that it listed from top to bottom, uh, what their rating was, and how many reviews there were, as well as if it was after 1990 or not. So the number one horror movie of all time is Alien, 8.5. That's actually what we reviewed yesterday. We both agreed, very good movie. Very good. That one cracks into the top 250. I didn't look to see if any of these others cracked into the top uh, 250 of all time or not. Um, But below that is Psycho, 
Um, I've never seen that. Which we will definitely get into. Very good movie. It's old. That That's a black and white one. It's probably going to be one of the few black and white ones that we watch, but very good movie. Followed by The Shining at 8.4. This one had 1 million uh, ratings. That's a great movie. Phenomenal. Uh, better book. Stephen King actually hated that movie. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. He hated what they did with those characters. Jack Torrance was uh, supposed to be basically an alcoholic, and they didn't depict him in the right way. Um, I could see where that's frustrating as an author. Yeah, he really hated the direction that they made Jack go, and the ending was very different from the ending of the book, and he didn't like that either. Um, but we'll, we'll dive into that, because that is obviously one that we're going to review on this channel. The next one I never heard of. It's called Thumbbad. I believe that I'm pronouncing that right. T-U-M-B-B-A-D. It had an 8.2 rating. This one is after 1990. But the reason I said that it doesn't belong in this list, it only has 46,000 ratings. So what that means to me is it's one of those one-offs that not many people know about, or maybe it's a foreign film that just doesn't have that type of following. So it doesn't have enough reviews for me to be able to count it. So the next one is The Thing. Uh, from the 80s. You did see that one. We watched that with the kids the other day. Um, that one has an 8.2, 420,000. Next, The Exorcist with 8.1, 402,000. I've never seen that. Wow. <laughs> and you can tell why you're definitely on this podcast with me, so that way you can give a fresh uh, look at some of this stuff. So I've seen the scary, mur uh, scary movie version. <laughs> <laughs> just as terrifying <laughs> nobody wants a penis in the bathroom through a little hole <laughs> uh so up next is a movie that i've never heard of this one was definitely a foreign one uh diablo uh d-i-a-b-o-l-i-q-u-e i'm guessing it has something to do with diablo or the devil 8.1 uh rating but once again only sixty-six thousand. so i crossed that one off up next was a movie that was actually after 1990 called Blue Elephant. Never heard of it. 8.0 rating, only 29,000 votes. Got to cross that one off. Rosemary's Baby, 8.0, 215,000. Uh, what Happened to Baby Jane, 8.0, 56,000. So but basically what I'm getting at is a lot of these have, uh, I'm going to start calling the threshold 100,000 uh, reviews for it to be eligible for this list. So now if we look at the list of top 10, you have Alien, Psycho, Shining, The Thing, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, uh, Let the Right One In. This is the first one that cracks 1990 or above, and we're all the way at number seven. Wow. Shaun of the Dead, which we started watching but never finished because he fell asleep. I cannot watch a movie with Stacy, by the <laughs> way, starting at 7 p.m. or later if I want her to actually participate in it. True statement. Because <laughs> you won't make it past 8 o'clock. Nope. And hold any type of attention. Up next, barely making the list, but it counts as I saw the devil. This was after 1990. 130,000 uh, reviews. 10th uh, is Predator. Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Another one after 1990, Get Out, followed by Evil Dead 2, and then Halloween. So 15 movies and only four of them are after 1990. The top 15 with over 100,000 views, which brings us to under 24%. So that leads me to believe that the horror audience is much more, 
uh, the way that they review movies is all about creativity. Uh, movies, when they started out in the, I don't even know what's called, 30s, 40s, every single thing that ever came to the screen was original because nothing has been done. Coming around these times, uh, let's say the 70s with the golden age of horror, 70s, 80s, uh, these movies are so unique, so original. Alien, nothing has ever been done like that before. Psycho was groundbreaking because nothing, it, that brought fear to so many people across America from taking a shower in a motel room. Something you never would have thought of before. The Shining, uh, a hotel. How was that scary? It wasn't until Stephen King made it. Um, whereas you don't have any real horror, horror movies from the 90s or above because they're playing off of these movies. And I think that holds a very big uh, candle Are you saying to, they're like copycats? Uh, in a way, yeah. Uh, it, not that that's their intent at all, but the directors of these movies grew up watching Alien. They grew up watching Psycho. So Those are the things that inspired and them. And no matter what it is that you're into, if you're into music, the bands that inspired you are going to bleed into what you make. Makes sense. Uh, regardless, if you grew up listening to Black Sabbath and then you turned into Iron Maiden, uh, obviously people are going to say at the beginning, hey, this is just a Black Sabbath ripoff. Well, yeah, they're our favorite band. That's what we listen to. That's what made us like music. We still have our own flavor. So if you look at The Conjuring, for example, a movie that both of us have seen, phenomenal movie. We'll definitely go into breaking that one down but it has very strong exorcist vibes to it it has very strong uh poltergeist vibes to it uh and the horror community may not review that quite as highly as something like the conjuring because uh, these ideas have been done before sure they have but they put a unique take on it mm -hmm. and a second thing that um I think plays into this is the age of audience that will go and review things. I kind of picked 1990 because I was thinking from my perspective, we're basically the internet generation from us and beyond. People are very used to the internet. Yes. Um, let's say if you're 10 years older than us, how much are you going to go on IMDb and review a movie? Probably not likely. Not, not likely. And that's why the top 250 overall are so overwhelmingly after 1990. Whereas the horror community are very big into the movies that started it. Uh, now, inside of this list, you have all the old classics in the top 25. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Freaks, Frankenstein, King Kong, Nosferatu. Uh, but they didn't have enough ratings. Once again, going back to the generation is not going on IMDb and looking at these things. Yeah. So I think what I'm trying to get at with this is when you go into these movies, you need to really go in with a fresh fresh perspective. Don't just say, has this idea been done before? If it is, it's trash, because that's not the case at all. There are movies coming out right now that are phenomenal, but have strong vibes from another movie. Of course it's going to. Almost everything has been done. There are still unique movies coming out. The movie Nope completely original the movie uh get out i just mentioned two jordan peele movies but they're both extremely original but in the same right the conjuring is very original because there hasn't been a movie with quite that type of atmosphere the ring was extraordinarily original granted that was a remake of a japanese movie but uh 
I wanted to throw this in there before we actually sit down and watch Halloween because at this point, when I, th this may get people to completely delete my channel, Halloween's not a top 25 horror movie for me at all. There are so many people where it's in number one. You've seen the movie. Was there anything in it that completely jumped out to you as this movie is absolute perfection? You need to see it. No, I would agree with that statement. The movie itself is fun to watch, but nothing new is brought from my perspective. And I think I have the same kind of mindset, and that's because Halloween is not one of the first movies that I threw in as a kid. Um, one of the first movies that I watched, I mentioned it last time, was It. Or after that would be uh, some of the Friday the 13th, some of the... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, some of the more popular series. It Whereas, feels like Halloween is just a typical horror movie. Like if you were going to just have a blank page yeah. and write a movie, here's a guy that goes crazy, killing teens around town. Yeah. He's crazy. That's like almost every movie except with a horror background. Correct. And the big difference is you need to think of it as this created all the other horror movies. This wasn't a thing when this movie came out in 1978, I believe. i got to look it up again. I believe it was 78. But this was not a common premise for a movie at all. There were similar movies. Texas Chainsaw, I believe, was a little bit before. It, it had a slasher type of vibe. But this brought it to a whole new level. Um, and you really need to think about that when you're giving it a rating or when you're looking at horror in general. I just kind of wanted to go over these numbers before we dove into the actual movie review uh, because that, when I was looking this up, I thought that it was really interesting, thought that it could be a pretty cool intro to a podcast that whenever you watch a movie, no matter what it is, first off, make your own opinion on it. You're listening to this to hear my opinion of what a horror movie is, what Stacy's opinion of what a horror movie is. You should be able to make your own mind up for what you think is if we definitely have different opinions on horror yeah absolutely it's proven <laughs> there are people out there who love the uh hostile movies and uh saw movies and there are people that absolutely hate them they say oh it's not horror at all it's complete trash which is it horror or is it not it's probably going to be the intro to the next uh series that we do once i get into aliens but not too much right now um you make your own opinion for the movie so don't listen to reviews before you go see it i try my best to not even watch a trailer before yeah, no i go spoilers. to see it i don't want spoilers i don't want somebody else's opinion in my mind before i see a movie i don't want anything all that i need sometimes is if i never heard of a movie to have one of my friends say hey have you checked this out before no it's really good you should check it out cool now i'll go check it out uh the moral of the story make your own opinions for yourself and then after you uh, watch the movie, that's when you should be going and uh, seeing what other people thought of it, talk to other people about it, going online, reading some reviews, see if their thoughts kind of merge with your thoughts. And if they do, then maybe you want to listen to more of that person's recommendations because their thoughts align with yours. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. Uh, me and Stacey are going to sit down and watch the 1979 classic from uh, John Carpenter, Halloween. We'll be back with the review shortly. All right, welcome back in. So we just finished the movie. Um, overall, just as I remembered it. Excellent movie. Uh, 
characters were mostly good. Uh, the lead, Jamie Lee Curtis, is, uh, Laurie, obviously, is the shining light in the whole movie. Loomis did very good. The actor who played Michael Myers did awesome as well. Some of the side characters, slightly annoying. I agree. I think Laurie obviously is the shining star of the movie, which we know from future movies. Annie and Linda, kind of annoying. Didn't really care for their characters, I thought. Obviously, they're just in there to kind of build up the movie, but didn't really see the need for them to have more of a part of the movie versus seeing the Doctor or Michael Myers. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, my biggest with the movie and I know that I've seen it before and hearing some people talk about it was Linda herself uh totally <laughs> like that's not even how people talked back then I believe let alone now and it, every line of every single time that she's in it totally totally like totally Just, it seemed very forced <laughs> it did uh and you can tell that these were not uh girls in high school despite that's what they're playing uh, I think that I read somewhere that despite all of them being high school-aged characters, the only one that actually was high school-aged was uh, Jamie Lee Curtis during the filming of it. And it definitely shows yeah. as you're watching it. The rest of them try a little bit too hard to fit their role. But overall, the first side characters, uh, Annie obviously played a bigger part, but they did what they needed to do to make the movie move along. I thought it was a little... Not forced. Forced. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the score. Cheesy. Yeah, that's good. Cheesy. A cheesy role for them. Yep. Absolutely. The score in this movie might be the best score in any horror movie ever. Um, there are some where the music fits a little bit better into the movie, but there is nothing quite as iconic as the uh, piano playing in here by John Carpenter. I think that it's really something else. I agree with that. In the beginning, I loved hearing the the music. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, I think it really cheesed the movie up. Really? By the end, I was so annoyed to hear when you would see Michael Myers and you'd hear the traditional music. I was over it. Wow. That's a... Uh... That's shocking to me. To me, I thought that the music fit very, very well all throughout. Uh, when I wanted an ominous feel, it would maybe play it a little bit slower or just do that. There was a certain scene that I'm thinking of that made that music feel so dated. I okay. hated the scene. Gotcha. Okay, well, let's not get too much further into the spoilers until we're there. Let's... Uh, actually rate the movie how, how did you think of the movie so once again the way that we're reviewing this is one absolute dog shit don't watch it terrible not worth your time five it's an average movie it's not bad at all uh you can pop it in at any time and you're not going to be disappointed 10 is should never leave your vhs player i gave it a seven so a little bit lower than the alien movie but not too too far off okay um, I was actually struggling in between a 7 and an 8. I'm trying not to do point fives in this. Uh, I ended up giving it an 8. I thought, uh, I do need to take into consideration the time that it was made. Um, that's definitely something that's in there for me because... And that's what made my rating change a little. 
because it was a little dated, but I also understand I can't just base it on the graphics and stuff like that. Yeah. To me, the graphics weren't bad. They, they did very well with what they had. The budget for this was extremely low. It was only $300,000, which hearing that and then seeing what this movie took off to be, like I said, that Alien was low at $11 million. This is $300,000. Um, a lot of the actors took very, very, very small uh, paydays home for this, which is shocking. Uh, over half of that budget went into just the cameras to make the movie. Now... For the characters, is this our first real big movie for Jamie Lynn? Uh, Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Jamie Lee's de- uh, Jamie Lynn's debut. Uh, no, this is her I'm first. Of uh, Spears. <laughs> it's her first role, and she actually got it because her mom played the lead in Psycho. Really? So her mom was basically a scream queen. She she's one of the people that started the female uh, characters like that in horror movies, and she ended up getting the role from that. This is her first lead role, and it definitely took her into stardom from here. She played a really good character. So the reason I didn't give this movie a 10, like I said, some of the side characters were slightly annoying. I I couldn't really do it. And one thing that drives me nuts throughout this movie is they overuse the stalking Michael Myers. You see him too much, I think. He's, from the very beginning of the movie, he's always there. Uh, I I like it more when there's more suspense built, when you don't see him as much, or you just very, very slightly hint he was here, or you think that he's there, but you don't really know. This one, they're showing it to you in every scene, Uh, but we'll we'll dive into that more when it comes to the spoiler. So I saw him too much, and the side characters killed it for me. Other than that, everything was good. Everything was very good about this movie, especially for the time that it was made. Yeah, my 7 rating was based on more like physical things and hearing things that I didn't need to hear repeatedly. Um, I don't know if I should dive into that or wait nope. till it's a little bit later into the podcast, but that's why the rating's a little bit lower. Movie overall was fine. It's a great movie. Uh, there was just a couple things that really irritated me over and over and over, and I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah, and before everybody just uh, disenrolls to the podcast, stops listening entirely because we're not giving this a 10 out of 10. Keep in mind, this is obviously is our opinion on it. You can have a 10 out of 10 for it, and it makes complete sense. I can see why this could be somebody's number one overall horror movie. Just for me, one of the big things that set this thing back is it's not even the first Halloween movie that I saw. I saw Halloween H2O when it first came out, and to me, that was awesome. Felt more with the times uh, as I was growing up. I forget what year that was coming out, but obviously I I was of the age demographic that they were trying to get to watch it, whereas this movie feels dated almost. If you watch it today for the first time, it's going to be like, okay, we're watching Grandpa's horror movie. (laughs) And it it really does feel that way. But if this is the first one that you saw, this would obviously be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. All right. So from here, we're going to get into spoilers. So if you have not seen this movie yet, please uh, uh, click out of the podcast, watch the movie, come back in. All right. So first things I want to do is give some uh, trivia that I found on uh, IMDb for this movie because I thought that they were pretty cool. So the original script was called The Babysitter Murders. And uh, the events took place over several days, but uh, they decided to change this due to budgetary constraints. But 
you can tell that even though that they made changes to make this film based more around Halloween and the events of Halloween and stuff like that, The Babysitter Murders is very much what this movie is. This movie is based around one person who is stalking these women. It actually almost seems mostly like he's stalking Annie throughout the movie and Laurie just so happens to catch on come into that room. Um, now at the beginning you can tell that he's stalking her because she goes to the Myers house, which we'll dive into, but, um, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, let's see. John Carpenter's intent with the character of Michael Myers was that the audience should never be able to relate to him in any way, which I can definitely say. Uh, yeah, I've never thought about following strangers around and murdering them. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And the, to me, the coolest thing about this is the entire movie was shot in 20 days, uh, wow. which is amazing. Having a $300,000 budget, only 20 days, and half of that budget went towards uh, Panavision cameras. And Donald Pleasance, the lead, the, the biggest name in this movie, was only paid $20,000 to be in it. Wow. Which is absolutely insane. You can only imagine what their... Uh, budget would become the second movie and how much these actors and actresses were making then. Uh, just the opening scene took up two of those 20 days of production. Which it let, shows. Let, let's talk about that opening scene first. So the intro of this is a black screen and then that score kicks in right off the bat. The, which gave me shivers. The title card anyway, not the opening scene, excuse me. So as they're introducing it, this is Halloween, who's in it. Uh, black screen, score starts, and then the pumpkin gets lit up. In the I thought that was a neat visual. Absolutely. And throughout the movie, that pumpkin plays kind of throughout the whole thing, I noticed. So it's not that one specifically. They have different varieties of it, but there's almost always a scene with a pumpkin in there. I thought that was cool. catchy to it, have one. It was a neat little trick to make it feel like Halloween in a movie that was not filmed in a time of Halloween. Yeah. Um... And as they're zooming in on this pumpkin, I doubt that you caught on to this, but the face of the pumpkin, the nose, is designed to look like a knife. Hmm, I did and not. And then the, hold up my fingers here, the right eye was uh, designed to look like Michael Myers' face. So as they're zooming in, all that you can see towards the end is the nose and then the one eye. It looks like Myers holding a knife. I did not catch on. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a neat uh, little way to do the credits and make it not feel boring like a lot of uh, credits end up doing. So, the movie kicks off Haddonfield, Illinois in 1963, and this entire scene is a one-shot. Do you know what that is in movies? Is that first-person perspective? Nope. I mean, this is a first-person perspective, but that's not a one-shot. So a one-shot is when they do one take of the camera. There's no breaks or anything like that. Oh, right. Very, very, very difficult thing to pull off because everything needs to be perfect. The lighting needs to be perfect. As you shift to a new spot, the lighting needs to be perfect there. The actors or actresses need to know what they're doing. Can't be any mess-ups. How long was that shot? Uh, we couldn't pause the way that we were watching. Yeah. Uh, we were watching it on uh, the TV via some type of streaming app, and it kept messing up. Every time that we tried to pause it, it would close the app, and we'd have to <laughs> try and find our way back in. Um, but it was probably about four minutes, is my guess. Um, so the one shot is a first-person view of Michael Myers as a boy, and it shows him looking in through the window of his house. Then he goes over to the side, 
he's able to see uh, his sister's boyfriend downstairs and he's putting on a clown mask and goes upstairs to uh, basically have sex with his sister. When they switch to that view of him in the clown mask and the camera through the eye holes, fearful. Yeah. It made me so uneasy. I was grabbing my blanket, covering my eyes just a little so I could still see. Yeah. Super creepy. I've never seen that in a movie like that. Yeah. So before it gets to that, the boyfriend puts the clown mask on, runs upstairs, and that's when the score kicks in during the actual movie. But it's not the actual Halloween score. It's the da-da. It, it, awesome, awesome way to do it. Very ominous. Uh, and then when he walks in, he ends up grabbing the kitchen knife and makes his way upstairs. The music's changing the second that he gets the knife. It goes to much more of a sharp pitch type of noise. Um, so before he goes upstairs, the boyfriend ends up leaving and, uh, Michael goes upstairs and that's when he puts the clown mask on because the boyfriend left it on the ground. That is an awesome scene. Very cool how they were to get it to go over the camera, still have a very good vision of everything that's going on, but give you a perspective that Mike sees. Yeah. Very, very neat. So from here, he brutally stabs uh, his sister probably about 10 different times just stab 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 and then he just turns around as if nothing happened walks down the stairs so unsettling and he stares into nothing i wrote down and underlined there is nothing on his face absolutely nothing when his parents come home that's a blank face that's got to be so terrifying to see as a parent yeah from there it cuts to black we're 15 years later we're in smith's grove 1978. So from here, we just know that uh, Dr. Loomis is driving a car with a nurse and he's talking about what happened, basically. So Myers obviously killed his sister and then he was locked up in an insane asylum for the past 15 years. The reason that they're there is they need to bring him in front of a judge to see if uh, he's still deemed criminally insane, I believe. That scene was pretty unnerving when the doctor's talking to the nurse. You can tell the nurse doesn't really want to do it. She's like, what medicine do we give her? And the doctor says the medicine and says, the nurse goes, that's pretty much going to make him knocked out. And he goes, that's the point. Yeah. So you want him to be incapacitated in front of this judge. That speaks to his character in the movie. He's dangerous. Yeah. Loomis is very scared of this boy. Very scared. Well, now, man. Um, And... Throughout the entire conversation, uh, Loomis keeps calling Michael Myers an it. He doesn't call him a boy or a man. And the nurse brings it up to him. Like, can, we, can we call him a boy? And just says, it makes you feel better. He, he doesn't he, refer to him as a person. He's taking that human feeling out of Michael Myers and just categorized, categorized him as an it. Yeah. Very cool little... Uh, piece of dialogue and then the camera zooms in on a red matchbook that's on the uh top of the car um so from here they pull up to the uh insane asylum uh and there's people walking around everywhere outside which is a very cool little scene the way that they do the lighting because it's pitch black it's raining they just have the high beams of the car face and then you just see people walking around which that would scare the hell out of you if that happened. I would have turned around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would have uh, been Donald Pleasant's getting out of the car and still trying to open the gate. And even the nurse said, what do we do? Yeah. I see all these people. What do we do? <clears throat> Doctor says, keep going. 
Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, I would have said, no, let's turn around and call the cops. Yeah. That would have been my step one. Yeah. But from here, you can see after Loomis gets out of the car, uh, somebody jumps up on top of the car and then starts attacking the nurse from the inside. Um, smashes a window, grabs her by the throat, but th she ends up getting away and it ends up being Michael Myers. Uh, oh, I didn't he, realize that was Michael. Yeah, that's Michael. That's how he escaped. He stole the car and then left. Okay. Um, so... From here, it has another jump cut uh, to Haddonfield on Halloween Day, so we're one day later. And the first thing that you realize is this is just your typical suburban neighborhood. That's the first thing that I saw as it started out far away and then zoomed in. House, 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 perfect Halloween lawn, perfect decorations. lawn, perfect lawn, Halloween decorations. Uh, speaking of Halloween, this, this part was filmed in uh, California, and all the leaves that you see were actually... Uh, Paper, painted? paper and cardboard leaves hand-painted <laughs> and they didn't have the budget so they would scoop them up after every scene and then bring them to the next spot. Robert England, the guy who played uh, Freddy Krueger, was actually one of the people hired to scoop up leaves and <laughs> bring That's them to amazing. the next spot, <laughs> which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, so you have uh, more music playing. Uh, when Music's a constant thing throughout and you can, some horror movies you can't tell that it's playing this one, it, it's in your face whenever it's playing which may be why you have too much of it for you. Um, so Lori's walking to school, and uh, her dad tells her she has to drop the key off at the Myers house. So I guess somebody's coming to look at it later. Um, that her, was the first time in the realtor. movie that I jumped when they panned to the Meyer house, and you see the condition it's in. It gave me this unsettling feeling. Why is Jamie going on the porch? How does that relate? Yeah. So uh, Tommy is with her, and the whole time she's Tommy's telling her uh, who she's babysitting. Tommy's telling her, "Don't go to that house. That's the boogeyman's house." So somehow, after one person died in this house, fifteen years later, there's still rumors, uh, rumors that the, basically what happened in that house disrupt disrupted this community so much that people are still talking about it fifteen years later. Which that's pretty shocking to kill your sister. Yeah, absolutely. But to have that be the defining moment for a town 15 years later seems a little bit far-fetched to me. But at the same time, the fact that it disrupted them that much that they're still talking about it means that it definitely had a significant impact. But she drops the key off. She says, oh, I'm not scared of the boogeyman. And uh, as she drops the key off, it pans to a shot of inside the house. Michael's looking out the window at her. I thought that was she's so dropping creepy. off, which is pretty cool. So as soon as... Uh, he escaped from the insane asylum. First thing that he wanted to do was go home. That's all that he wanted to do. Um, so from here, it pans back to Loomis, who's uh, discussing to somebody at a police enforcement or something like that how dangerous Michael Myers is and how they need to alert the whole town, put him on red alert. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath, basically. That's where it fell apart for me. This doctor's so worried about Michael Myers being so dangerous, but through the movie, it kind of fell short. I felt like he wasn't really wanting to catch him based on his actions further through the movie. Jumping ahead, there's a police officer when he's sitting at Michael Myers' house, and he says, should I call the other police departments or the other police? And 
the doctor's like, no, 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 I can handle this. So he kind of wanted this like hero role, which if he's so dangerous, I would have alerted everybody. Yeah. I would have put it out in the public. He's escaped. There was none of that. So I think that you're not the only person who realized that because if you look in uh, some of the future remakes, essentially, of this movie, they paint Loomis to be a very self-absorbed type of person, um, specifically the Rob Zombie remakes of it, which we'll dive into at some point. And that may be where they get that from as well. Uh, I didn't look at it as he was self-absorbed, but I can definitely see why you would think that. Yeah. Um, so moving on from here... Um, Lori is now in school, and the teacher is discussing fate. Everybody's destined to fate. Fate, 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 fate. Teacher says fate like 30 times. Mm -hmm. Like, we get it. It's a horror movie. Um, <laughs> and as she's talking about this, Lori looks outside, and it's the car that was stolen, and Michael Myers is behind it, just staring at her. So Michael saw her come to the house, and then he decided, I to need to kill her. this person. Yeah. I'm going to scare the shit out of her first. He did. <laughs> and he definitely spooked her. Lori was terrified throughout this whole movie. Um, she looks back at the teacher. Teacher calls her for something, looks back outside. Myers and the car is gone. Um, so This is the first time you see Michael, really, other than the house. Like a clear shot. And the thing that at first it scared me through the movie, it got annoying. The breathing of him yeah. in the mask. That this moment scares me because you're like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? I can hear him; he's right there. Yeah. When you hear it the, for the fiftieth time, I was annoyed. See, I think that it gets scarier the more confined the location gets. So this initial time that you hear him breathing a little bit didn't do much for me, but as you get into more confined spaces, and you can definitely hear the breathing, then it gets a little bit more. Now, um, was that part of the movie to kind of freak people out, or it was because of the mask he was wearing? What do you mean? The breathing, hearing it so loudly. <sighs> so it's definitely an intimidation thing. Michael's not using the breathing to scare people. He's using it because he's in a mask and there's no mouth hole. He's basically breathing through the eyes. I think that you've worn uh, latex yeah. masks when you were a kid. Um, it definitely restricts your breathing, but that sound is definitely an intimidating sound and that's why they included it in the movie well, i'm saying it was purposely put in there oh 100 percent. yeah without a doubt it's an intimidation thing so from here we cut to uh the school being cut out and a whole bunch of kids are teasing uh tommy about the boogeyman uh boogeyman's gonna get you tonight he's gonna get you he's gonna get you bus is pumpkin um uh, Michael Myers saw the kids disperse. Michael Myers is still outside of the school and one of the kids runs into him. Scares the shit out of the kid. Myers basically just pushes him aside. And then now he's staring at Tommy, which I don't know how he knows Tommy is connected to Lori in any way, shape, or form. Maybe he saw him. Uh, well, I guess house. that makes sense. He saw him at the house. At the house. That makes more sense. Um, but he followed him for a little bit and then it, Yet another cutscene. Now we're with Loomis uh, talking to the sheriff of Haddonfield, and he's telling him Michael Myers is coming. Uh, and they're driving around together, and they end up stopping at the side of the road because they found a car out there. And you find Michael Myers' clothes from the asylum. Uh, and to confirm that it was Michael, you saw the red matchbook. That was and I didn't catch on to the matchbook till you just said that. 
Yeah. That it was connected. They definitely focused on that, and then Loomis picked it up at the scene. Yeah. Uh, and then as they run back to the sheriff car, the camera pans back, and then you see the first body. There's the mecha dead mechanic in the sides. You can tell that's how he got the mechanic suit, yeah. uh, the overalls. Uh, Good so now, connection. Yep. Yep. I like how it describes how they get what they get. Yeah. Um, so Lori is talking to Linda on her way home. Put in here totally because she sat out about 50 times in this conversation totally. and Annie jumps in so now we have all three of the girls and they're really painting the character development here about how Laurie Strode is a nerd uh oh man I forgot my chemistry book at the school and they're like oh I forgot mine too oh and my math book and my science book and this book because I don't care why do you care <laughs> it's Halloween enjoy it yeah um, so th they're forcing the character development. It's working. I don't mind it. But at the same time, it, it's not the same as if it came naturally. Yeah. Um, so here, uh, the girls, uh, only Lori sees, uh, no, all of them. All of them see Michael Myers drive by in the car. And, and I think Annie uh, yells, speed kills. Yeah, she says something stupid. And he <laughs> slams on the brakes and just stops there. Lori's the only one out of the three that are scared. She's yeah. like, that's the guy who was stalking me at school. And then he ends up driving by. They call him a creep. And they keep walking. They're talking again. They kind of brush it off, everybody except for Lori, who's definitely still shook. Paranoid. You can see that she's shook, visibly shook. Um, so as they're walking, she sees Michael Myers standing in the walkway above them. And then before anybody else can see him, he steps to the side of the bushes. So she says something. Uh, Annie goes up there and pretends like he's, pretends still, there. Like he's still there. Oh, he wants to date you. Which um, is a joke because she doesn't there. have any boyfriends or yeah, any they, people she's interested in. They mentioned in. the date, uh, the dance. Yeah. Uh, and she was very nervous to say uh, that she's not going to the dance because she didn't have the confidence to ask somebody. Yeah. That That's a underlining thing here is confidence. Lori does not have any. Um, so from here, uh, Sheriff Brackett kind of scares the kids a little bit. They see the alarm going off uh, as they're driving and uh, ends up sending them off. Um, so this is a hardware store or something like that. And the alarm went off and they realized that Michael Myers took a mask, rope, and a knife. Before that, the doctor went to see... Judith Meyer's grave and oh, saw yeah. that it was missing. Yeah, I jumped ahead a little bit. So uh, Loomis drives to see Judith Meyer's grave, which I don't know why he would want to see it, but maybe he had some type of intuition that Myers would be there hiding. Yeah. Um, and the gravekeeper was giving him a very grim story along the way about how every town has their own version of the boogeyman. And you could basically. tell the doctor wasn't interested. Yeah, he, he didn't care. He didn't care at all. Loomis saw the grave was missing and he just said he came home. So Loomis is the guy who likes to come up with sayings in this movie. <laughs> he, he has several of them and they're all very good. But uh, the fact that he says so many different ones kind of struck me a little bit funny. But so. after that is when the break-in happens at the hardware store. Yeah. 
and uh, Loomis is there as well. So Loomis is everywhere. This man's Inspector Gadget. He found his <laughs> way over there, and he introduces himself to uh, Sheriff Brackett. And as they're talking, they zoom out, and Mike's actually in the background. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he was in the car that he stole the night before. So the fact that they didn't see that car, knowing that he already went to the sheriff saying, hey, this is the car, watch out for it. And he's at the store that the break-in happened. Once again, big in. Big convenience right there. Yeah. So Lori talks more about the dance, uh, and Mike is now stalking the house that Annie's going to be babysitting. Um, so at this point, it's now nighttime. Uh, Annie's already at the house as she's babysitting. Lori's at the house as she's babysitting right across the street. Convenient. It is, but at, at small town stuff, this oh, is definitely sure. plausible. Um, then it pans out to Loomis and Sheriff. Um over at the Myers house. So now they're looking at the house this late in the movie for Myers. And when they first walk in, they found a dead dog downstairs. And uh, they instantly came up with the assumption that uh, still hot. Looks like Myers has been eating. Um, and this is another one of Loomis's lines. It's that this isn't a man. Uh, so the house is falling apart. Like you mentioned here, you get a good shot of the inside and it, it's decrepit. This house is nobody stepped foot in it. No. Um, so from here, a window breaks really quick and it scares them. And this is where Loomis gives the best lines in the whole movie, I think. He said he was talking about Michael Myers because uh, the sheriff said that, man, it looks like you're spooked. And he's like, I am spooked. This man he's terrifies evil. me. He has an emotionless face, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. He is purely and simply evil and he delivers the line so perfectly that you feel every bit of this oh you definitely do uh it, it it's very in, much an intimidating scene to where when you're watching this you get the chills through your body because this man's terrified of him he's very serious about it he's dedicated his life to keeping this man at bay and he failed and he can tell that he failed he knows that he did i think that's why he takes kind of like this hero role on for the rest of the movie because he failed Michael, so he needs to make it right. Maybe in his mind, he's guilty. Yeah, absolutely. Because I found it odd that he tells the police not to stay. Yeah. Why would you tell people that are there to help protect the town to stay away? Well, uh, at that scene, he said, I'm going to stay at the house. I want you to search around town. So they're trying to find Michael. He thinks that he's coming back to the house, but he's not, not sure. sure. Uh, so he wants to keep multiple angles covered. And he feels like if Myers comes back to the house, he would be able to shoot and kill him. Got it. Because obviously he's loaded and he showed the sheriff that. Yeah. Um, so from here, it flashes back to Lori babysitting. Tommy is constantly mentioning the boogeyman. He's obviously very creeped out about this because of the kids teasing him at school, saying the boogeyman's going to get you tonight. And uh, Lori does a very good job about keeping at bay. So at this point, Annie calls the house and the dog's barking all over. And Michael Myers is outside. Uh, and it flashes back to Lori's house. And Tommy sees Michael outside of the house. So this is the first time where Tommy sees Michael. And outside of the school. He didn't see him at the school. Oh, he didn't see him at the school? No, he, he was walking and Myers was following behind him, watching him. But he okay. never saw him. Uh, he was only told by the kids, the boogeyman's going to get you. There's gotcha. some other kid that was directed by him. 
Um, so this dog's barking and barking and barking, and he's talking on the phone. Man, this dog never shuts up. So, hey, uh, go shut your dog up, Lindsay. And all of a sudden, you see Meyer strangle the dog. Which yeah, I didn't like that scene. I hate seeing a dog die, let alone a German Shepherd. Like, stop killing German Shepherds in movies, damn it. <laughs> yes, I cannot stand a, a dead dog. Yeah. Or uh, them showing a dog or hinting that the dog is going to die. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. I hate it. I hate seeing it. I get why they do it. It's a huge uh, thing that if you have this guard dog at your house, Myers isn't going to be able to creep around. So I get it. But I hate seeing it. Yeah. I hate it. Makes me hate Myers even more, by <laughs> far. Uh, and another funny thing is Tommy and Lori uh, are watching The Thing on television, which is another uh, Carpenter film, which I thought was pretty cool. John Carpenter put his own movie in his movie. How creative. <laughs> which is pretty funny. And you end up seeing it again in future Halloween movies. You see a trailer for the original Halloween, <laughs> which is That's cool. It's pretty neat. Um so Annie's out, uh, she gets stuff on her clothes, and she goes out to the uh, garage to wash her clothes, and Myers is stalking her in there. Uh, so a lot of stalking is going on in here. At this point, almost every scene, you're going to be seeing Michael Myers stalking somebody, uh, specifically Annie. Yeah. Or you see somebody else seeing Michael Myers stalking somebody. They love to play in the fear of feeling like you're being watched. Yeah, and you The you neck are. hairs go up, the goosebumps on your arms. Yeah. So from here, um, Paul's calling Annie to meet up. Annie calls Lori to tell her that she's going to pick up Paul. And as she goes in the car, Myers is in the backseat, strangles her. This is where the plot fell for me. She went to the car. The car was locked. She went to the house to grab the keys. When she came back, the car was unlocked. Back then, they didn't have the little boop boop. To unlock the car. Mm -hmm. How is the car unlocked? That's a very small thing to me. I, it bothered I, me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. It bothered me that they took the time to pretend like the car was locked. She gets out there. Well, it wasn't the car that was locked. It was the door. It was the door to the garage. No, the, the car door. She pulled on the handle. It didn't open. She had to go back to the house, grab the keys. When she went to grab the that. keys, the keys were in her right hand. She pulls the lever, it's yeah. open. Well, maybe it just didn't show her unlocking it. Anyway, Michael Myers is in the backseat, chokes her to death, and she falls on the horn. And there's a pretty cool scene where it flashes to the house across the street where Tommy and Lori are there. And uh, you kind of sort of hear the horn in the background. And then you just hear it stop because Myers pulls the body out. So Tommy sees Michael Myers carrying Annie's body back into the house. And he loses his shit. Yeah. Rightfully so. But then Lori looks outside. Nothing's there. So she thinks that he's just seeing things. And that he's scared. Yep. It flashes over to Loomis. He's still at the Myers house hiding in the bushes. Some kids come up to the Myers house as if it's a testing ground almost at this point. Uh, man, I'm not scared of Michael Myers. I'm not scared of the boogeyman. Look, I'm going to go touch the door. And then Myers, or uh, Loomis scares the kids. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. It is funny. A funny little moment. I don't get how he knew their names. I mean, this is his first time being in this town. Did he say their names? Yeah, he said, hey, Lonnie, get away from the door, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, which, eh, okay. But either way, it was funny. Yeah. Um, uh, so the sheriff comes, Sheriff Brackett comes back over, 
And he's like, hey, I can't find this guy. I think that we're wasting our time. And he's like, Sheriff, we're not wasting our time. Death has come to your town. Another uh, good line. Another good line, but he's full of them. So at this <laughs> point, I'm just like, okay, we, we get it, Loomis. This guy killed one person he's in his life 15 years ago. If I was the sheriff, I don't know how seriously I would take it. Yeah, because he only killed his sister at this point. Yep. That they know of. That they know of. Uh, they didn't find the mechanic when they were there looking at the uh, car. Right. Uh, so it was just one person that died. But they do know that uh, he came back to town, obviously. So uh, Linda and Bob end up showing up over at Annie's house uh, like they ended up calling and said that they would. We'll plan to go upstairs and do some fucking. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that's the short of it that they're drinking in the car both of them drinking while driving totally. come inside <laughs> totally uh they're drinking more beer they find out that annie left to go pick up paul so they knew that they had the house to themselves they go upstairs the phone is ringing they go to pick it up then uh real quick linda's smart about it she's like hey we're not even supposed to be in this house we can't answer somebody else's phone it's not even annie's house she's babysitting somebody so they just Take it off the hook. Take it off the hook. (laughs) Nobody can ever call, uh, which is another convenient way to uh, have nobody be able to call and report Michael being in the house. Um, So after they have sex, uh, they want more beer. She sends Bob downstairs to get it. And uh, when he's down there, you can see Mike kind of hiding in the background. There's an open door. He goes to investigate it, and you can really hear michael breathing at this point yeah really cool way to show it uh he ends up stabbing him so hard that he sticks to the wall i thought that was a really neat visual that they did with the knife in bob and he's hanging on the door like hanging yeah Yep, very cool. And and he, uh, Michael spends some time just staring at him, yes. like admiring him. 100%. So he stands there and he's tilting his head, kind of like a dog who's confused or inspecting what he just did. It was really cool how yeah. it gets like childlike almost. Yeah. He, he never changed. He's still a kid just looking at what he did. No remorse. It's not like he's thinking, no. oh man, I shouldn't have done this. He's thinking, wow, that was really cool. Look at this. Yeah, it's almost like... Like a, taking a picture of your artwork. Yeah. You know, like in his mind, this is neat. Yep. So that was the third kill in the movie. And from here, uh, Michael goes upstairs, but he's got a blanket over him. And Bob's glasses over the blanket as he walks into the room with Linda. And uh, she thinks, obviously, it's Bob just messing around with her. And she's playing back with him. Like, oh, man, look at you. So scary. Where's oh, my beer? Yeah, where's my beer, asshole? Go get me my beer. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, he ends up killing her, uh, with the phone cord. And to me, this is the coolest scene in the movie. Because Lori hears it happen. Yeah. Because Linda calls, does Linda call Lori? Not this scene, the next scene's my favorite. This one, uh, yes. Uh, so she goes to call Oh, to see if Annie came back. Yeah, to see if Annie came back. And she picks up the phone, and she's just strangling. But uh, Lori thinks that she's having sex. Yeah. (laughs) Because it kind (laughs) of sounds like it. It's pretty funny how it happens. (laughs) Obviously not funny that she dies, but it is what it is. Um, So um, Loomis ends up seeing the car at this point. They flash over to 
the car that Michael stole, and then he knew Michael's back in town. Um, so then the iconic score kicks back in at this point. Once and he I'm sees over the car. it at this point. You're over it. I'm not. <laughs> I enjoy it. To me, it's a, like shit's about to go down. This is <laughs> this is the end of the movie. So uh, all it's of... because they kept playing it every time you see Michael. So. Like you're saying, you're constantly seeing him. Yeah. If they would just hint at it with the music, maybe I would have felt different. But with the constant breathing and the constant music, oh my gosh, she's here. Yeah. I was just kind of like, all right, we get it. Stuff's going to happen. At this point, Lori is super scared about everything that's going on. Okay. Annie's not answering. Uh Linda's not answering what is going on over there. So she goes next door to see what's happening. And then when she walks upstairs and goes into the bedroom, she sees Linda dead on the bed with arms spread out with Judith Meyer's grave uh, right above her head, which at this point, Michael is playing with his toys. So he considers these dead people his toys almost. And he, childlike. Yeah. Um, terrifying. And then she turns around and hits into a door, and then Bob swings because it just tripped something. And he had Bob hung up in the closet, and then she turns around again, and uh, what's her name? Annie is sitting in the other closet, just like shoved in there dead. Linda. Yes. Linda. So Annie all, was on the bed. All three of them are dead, uh, and she's terrified, and she's backing up. And then this is by far the coolest scene, the coolest play with the lights that they have, the Behind her in the hallway is complete darkness, and then all of a sudden you just slowly see coming up Michael Myers' yeah. mask. Awesome, awesome, Super awesome creepy. visual. They did that so freaking well. That is the best scene in the movie. All you see is just the whiteness of his mask off the corner of her like shoulder. Yeah. Shivers. Yeah. So she's screaming around uh, downtown to try and get people to help. And a lady actually realizes that she's on the door screaming and asking for help. But she must think that it's a Halloween prank. So she ends up turning her light off, closes the windows, completely ignores it. And it's How just telling How scared you, do you have to be when you're asking for help? You're banging, banging, banging. And yeah. they turn the light on. They look at you, turn it off, go back to bed. Yeah. So at this point, Myers is following uh, Lori around. She goes back to Tommy's house and uh, gets him and uh, Lindsay. Their phones are out. Um, uh, what do I got here? The window's open and she climbs in. Uh, and you can just hear Michael breathing. Um, so when she gets in, she stabs Mike in the neck with a croquet needle, grabs his knife, thinks that he's dead, and then drops the knife. Why would her croquet... Cane needle kill him? Well, I mean, a stab in the neck typically could kill somebody, but I wouldn't assume that the guy's dead. Yeah. If I was that terrified of the guy, especially after seeing how many horror movies I've seen now, that guy's head would be off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I might consider not looking at him. <laughs> but I probably would still keep going to town. Yeah. So, uh,. Loomis, at this point, sh shoots over to him. He's patrolling the streets, tells Sheriff Brackett that he's here uh, because he saw the car. I, I don't know how they know where he's at. Maybe there was something that I missed where they said, okay, he's definitely at this house. Yeah, so I don't that know. I don't know. Uh, so Lori finds the kid, says that she just killed the boogeyman, and has the kids hide. 
because he ends up coming up the stairs. Um, Mike punches his way through the closet, turning the lights on. Lori stabs him in the eye with a hanger um, and then takes his knife and then stabs him in the stomach. Yeah. So at this point, you can definitely think that Lori thought that she killed him reasonably. Yeah, that she makes sense. She stabbed him in the neck previously. She stabbed him in the eye. Now she stabbed him in the stomach. That scene had my heart racing. Yeah. When he punched through the door. Yeah. And then, because it had like the wooden planks and he just started from the top and goes. Yeah. And I was was like, holy cow. (laughs) So from here, uh, you can tell Lori has her confidence now. The thing that they've been punching at the whole movie. So she sends the kids to go call the cops while she takes care of things here. And then in the background, Michael Myers pulls his best undertaker and just sits straight up. <laughs> Dead man walking. <laughs> That's all I could think of when I saw him shoot straight up like that was, oh, shit, he's back. He's got a steel chair. <laughs> Get the table. Yep. Uh, so from here, Mike gets up and starts strangling Lori. Um, you can see Loomis makes it into the house, but he's still strangling her. And Lori rips his mask off. And at I was this just point, say that. he's more concerned about covering his face than he about continuing trying to kill Lori. And it's that that gives her the advantage to get away. Loomis shoots him several times and he falls off the balcony. And Lori's terrified talking to Loomis. Was that the boogeyman? And Loomis goes, as a matter of fact, that was the boogeyman. Another good line. Pretty cool line. Uh, and then from here, they look back down. Michael's gone, music kicks in, and then it just shows scene after scene after scene after scene of destruction that he left in his wake. Very cool way to roll to the credits. Absolutely. So, overall... That that first glimpse of Michael without his mask, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's not what I pictured when the mask came off. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. He's just a man. Yeah. He's just a man. But the, the the beauty of this movie is it doesn't portray him as that. So when it shows that he's just a man, even though it's only a half of a scene that you see it, you can barely even see any details about him. It's not like it focuses in on his face. It's no. kind of in the background. But the fact that it's just a man, oh, God, I got to cover myself back up. Like, that's his first thought. Really cool. Yeah. Um, overall, despite me nitpicking at things, joking at things... It's a great movie. It's a good movie. Every horror movie is going to have its flaws. Every horror movie has its conveniences. And they're definitely in here. But this is before it became cliche to have that many. Um, So phenomenal movie. Check it out. Absolutely. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend. Uh, So we're going to be doing a lot of Halloween reviews coming up here shortly because Halloween Ends is going to be coming out. And we want to watch everything in preparation of it as well as review it. And we'll be doing a ranking of the movies as well in one of the episodes to uh, see where everything falls in line with each other. Sounds good. We'll see if this one falls at the top like it does for everybody else. Uh, until next time, I've been Phil. I'm Phil. I'm Stacey. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Phil. And we're the Horror's Edge Podcast. Thanks for listening.